Dias Maragut, God and Mary to you. You're listening to the Meditation and Mental Prayer podcast, episode 11. You do need mental prayer for salvation, so let St Ignatius Loyola show us where to begin. Imagine you see God seated on a throne of majesty and grandeur, and yourself, a guilty sinner, with hands bound, standing before this majestic judge. An account of all your sins is being read, the sins you've committed in the whole of your life, with all the circumstances that surround your sins, the places where you committed the sins, and the people you were with, or those people that you impacted also your state in life at the time of committing those sins, and, of course, your age at the time. You cannot excuse yourself, nor deny anything. We do mental prayer to make sure this doesn't happen. We sort it all out here on earth while we still have time. So keep listening to the podcasts on mental prayer, and there you will be able to find out more and more about how to do meditation and mental prayer and come to that point Jesus wants us to come to, be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. St Ignatius is about to show us who we are in the scheme of things, who we really are before God and the angels and saints. You won't find St Ignatius advising you, as modern trends would, to make affirmations instilling in yourself a deep sense of success and of how you are such a wonderful person. No, this is reality. So you can put away your glossy mirror and prepare to have St Ignatius shine God's light on the real you before it is too late. In this meditation, which leads to mental prayer, you encourage your mind to really understand the malice of sin against our Creator and Lord. Really probe the truth that in committing a mortal sin, we are acting against infinite goodness and we are justly condemned forever. To begin the meditation for our own selves, we're going to go through each year of our lives. We explore again each period of those lives. And within these time frames, we recall three things. A, the place and home where we lived. B, the associations and friendships we experienced with other people and see the position we filled in our home and in the world. We consider each sin and its terrible effect on the soul. It's extremely important to take time to study the vast difference between the infinite goodness, purity and beauty of God and the muddy, dank and disrespectful state of our soul before our Creator. Baptism ennobles our soul, which is made in the image and likeness of God, which we know. Baptism washes away original sin and renders our soul pure and holy and exquisitely beautiful. St. Teresa of Avila was shown a soul without sin, and she marvelled at its beauty. Teresa wrote that she would gladly give a thousand lives and suffer a thousand deaths to preserve the beauty of a single soul. The very moment in which a sin is committed, the soul, from being a likeness of God and radiantly beautiful, becomes transformed into a horrible monster. 
One of the saints recounts how in a vision concerning hell. She saw a beautiful young woman approaching the edge of the fiery pit. As the woman stepped over and fell into the abyss, she changed into a hideous monster. This is not a fairy story to frighten children into being good, that type of thing. This is knowledge gleaned by simple logic, with meditation and mental prayer, that will become more obvious to us. A person who is possessed by a demon could well be in a state of grace if that person is attending the sacraments, keeping the commandments of God and the commandments of the church. They are on their way to heaven and at death their human soul will rise toward God, unencumbered by the possessing demon, which will fall away from them back into hell. On the other hand, a person with unconfessed mortal sin on their soul is God's enemy. They are without his grace and are liable to fall into hell at any time, accompanied unfortunately and surrounded by the demons who encouraged them to sin and laughed with glee when they fell. Saint Ignatius asks us to meditate further and consider, I am a creature that God made. Before I was conceived, I was nothing. Now I am a body living and breathing. However, in a short time this body of mine will be put into the grave and fall apart into a powdery substance that the worms will eat. This wretched creature that I am has dared to oppose the will of God. Saint Ignatius declares, You are a creature to whom God has shown infinite generosity. He has showered you with loving kindness. You did not and do not deserve the great love God has for you. Remember, God has no need of you or even your good works. He could have given the same graces to others who would have used them better than you have. All the gifts God has given you, your sight, your hearing, how you move and are able to move, your understanding, learning abilities and so much more. How awful then to use these gifts, to be outrageously offensive toward his infinite majesty. Saint Ignatius wants you to know how often God has reached out and stopped you going into hell. He quotes the psalmist, Thy mercy is great toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul out of the lower hell. If you forsake God's friendship just once, you have deserved hell and are indebted to God's pure mercy. Let's say that God saw that you were about to be killed by a speeding car before you could make a good confession of your sins. He knew that death would condemn you to hell. So he saved you from harm's way to give you time to do penance. But in spite of this great favour, you took his holy name in vain, blaspheming him. That's what happens when we go to confession and then come out and do the same, commit the same sins again. At this point, our meditation could blossom into mental prayer through the calliloquy in sincere confession of guilt before God. Most lovable God, I tremble before thy divine majesty, ranking myself as one belonging to the depths of hell. Indeed, a more proper place for me could not be found. Am I any more than dust and ashes? Yet I have dared to treacherously rebel against the Most High God, from whose hand I have received all, all that I am, all that I have. All that I can do is a gift of God, who, like an immense river, floods me at all hours with every new benefit. Yes, against God, 
who has forgiven me by his overflowing mercy after a vast number of sins. As these meditations increase and become more clear to us, we blossom once again into the mental prayer that makes us exclaim, Oh my God, I confess that my conduct has been more than diabolical, for I have deserved not one hell but a thousand. My God, I have committed so many sins. I have used my body in every way to offend you. I have misused my memory to conjure up all types of sins of desire and bad thoughts. I have dredged the recesses of my mind to recall in unforgiveness other people's offences against me. How many sins have I committed with my tongue? When I sinned, Lord, the sin looked so attractive, but now I see how much you abhor sin, and it is so very far away from you. My Lord, I know that a single sin nauseates and horrifies you. All the angels and saints of heaven at this moment see the state of my soul, and it is only charity that stops them turning away from me in abhorrence. Returning again to the meditation, we realise that God gave to Lucifer and his fiends just one grace. He has given me thousands. God condemned Lucifer for one sin, but has been willing to pardon me after many, many sins. In spite of all this, I have continued to offend him. So do not fear the terrors of the coming chastisement here on earth that we know is coming. Instead, fear him that can send our body and soul into hell. Yes, I say fear him. Continue in prayer. We address ourselves to God the Father. Oh my God, you can penetrate all the corners of my heart. At this moment, my will is to detest sincerely and with all the power of my soul, all the sins I have committed up to this moment. I wish I could properly make acts of sorrow and repentance in order to deplore and detest my sins and to show you how much I do. But I'm so bad at it, so little understand it, that instead and with my sorrow, I offer you the sorrow, the grief, the agony which Jesus suffered for my sin, which made him sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. The reason that we know that sin is so serious is on account of the supreme majesty of God, whom we offend by sin. To evaluate the gravity of just one tiny sin against God, we use natural reason, which is, the greater the dignity of the person offended, so much the greater and graver is the offence which he receives. Now, this is to do with the common good. The common good requires that we give our dignitaries the greatest respect. Therefore, a criminal act against a dignitary of high office is a greater crime than the same done to a lesser mortal. In this day and age, we reel against such things, but we reel against them more when some important person or a dignitary gets off themselves doing a criminal act which the ordinary mortal um, or the ordinary man on the street wouldn't get away with. So it's, that's not the same thing. This is a crime against the person. For instance, when someone shot Kennedy, that was a huge thing because it affected everyone. It didn't just affect President Kennedy and his family or even just the people of the United States. It affected everybody in the world. But if some poor old fella on the street was going along and got shot, 
nobody would hear about it because his death would not affect very many people. And so it is for this common good that we can understand that the more the person is important to us all, the more the crime against him is considered serious. And so this is the way it is with God. God is highest of all, the greatest of all. And so therefore, disrespect against him is more terrible than anything that can ever happen. And once we realise that, then we have true sorrow for our sins. St Ignatius would now like us to look at who God is, to evaluate his, his dignity. And he says, God is one who is infinitely good. He is being who contains within himself all possible perfections. He is infinite goodness, infinite power, infinite wisdom, infinite generosity, infinite mercy. To sum things up, he possesses infinite perfections. Now, as he is supreme good in himself, so is he also the origin and source of all good things that there are in creatures. And we know this from the five proofs of the existence of God. There is no power, no goodness, holiness, beauty, mercy, nor generosity in heaven or on earth, in angels or in men, nor in any other creature which does not spring from God as the singular, inexhaustible source that he is. To offend, to disregard, to dishonour, knowingly and deliberately, a good so great, now that is malice. And so, in mental prayer, we raise our gaze to heaven and we speak to ourselves, we speak to our soul. We say, my soul, picture the Lord seated there on a throne with thousands of angels about him, awe-stricken before the splendour of his divinity. They devote themselves to praising and blessing him to the fullest extent of their powers. Knowing that they cannot honour him as much as his greatness deserves, They prostrate themselves humbly before his face and confess that he ought to receive infinite love and glory, much more than they are capable of giving. But now listen to this. All the while that this is done in heaven, where all the blessed spirits vie in holy competition in praising and glorifying the great majesty of God, a vile man rises from the ground to do insult to that supreme majesty, heaping that majesty with reproach and abuse. Ignatius laments, Oh, what enormous and incomprehensible malice! A colloquy rises up in our hearts at this, and we say, Oh my God, how enormous is my ingratitude, my folly, my madness, my malice! Still in thy sight, my mortal sin is something infinitely greater than what I can know. St. Augustine says, May I know myself, may I know thee, that I may despise myself and love thee. My God, what has been the way I have offended thee? And what kind of sorrow and repentance have I had after the offences? From time to time I've made an act of contrition. I've struck my breast and then continued living unworried as though there was nothing more to worry about that I was assured of your pardon. How can I be like that? After so many offences against you, God, will I be content with a repentance so feeble and so hastily formed? Oh, I wish I'd never offended you. Oh, being who art infinitely lovable, why did I not rather sacrifice my body and my life a thousand times? 
And now, dear listener, for the resolution. The evil has now been done. It's been done. I have let myself be deceived by my senses and be overcome and led astray by my evil inclinations. Forgive me, O my God. I beg thee by thy infinite mercy and by the merits of the precious blood of thy Son, Jesus Christ. I turn to thee with all my heart and I say to thee, I hope never to sin again.